Welcome to Business Talk with Henrietta. This is the place where we speak with the most up-and-coming entrepreneurs to figure out how they've built a life of their dreams. This episode is also sponsored by the Scandinavian furniture company Produkta. And today we're having the last interview of my New York City trip. We're so happy and I'm so happy, so ready to speak with the brand builder, entrepreneur and content creator, Corey Sue Morris. She is the founder of Retreat, which is a platform providing education, content and community for the mushroom curious. This is interesting and this is her third business, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to help people fight stress and boost immunity and also help you optimize your well-being and if, uh, with a kind of physician-led, outcomes-driven microdosing program. And you're telling me like before we started this podcast that microdosing is about, you know, improving, increasing your mental health and also gaining more brain cells, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you're passionate about building consumer-facing brands, getting things done, and inspiring others to be their best selves. And I've been stalking you, and I think you have amazing content out there. Um, yeah, I just want to hear your story, and we—I know we have one thing in common, and that is loving brunches. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You made like a brunch yeah, rating community business, so let's talk about that. Um, Bitches who brunch, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. You also help startups, small business, and consumer-facing brands scale, grow uh, through your marketing agency, Citrus Media. So you have many, many things going on for you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, don't just, we all, though? I'm sure you do as well, right? That's just kind of being a modern woman these days. A lot, a lot of things happening all the time. Exactly. Yeah, we're all modern women and we just need to let it all out and inspire each other and lift each other up. And that's the whole purpose with this podcast as well to kind of show the stories out there and inspire you to do what you love and be your best self welcome to the studio thank you so much for having me i'm thrilled to yeah. be here what you um what you're doing really aligns with my favorite things right like female founders improving your well-being helping others thrive that's yeah. kind of my i like to say that's my catnip so i'm super excited to chat with you today perfect and i think it's also interesting let it like let us listeners um listen to how we met because I interviewed a founder, Christine. She's a Danish founder mm -hmm. and investor here in New York. She knows you. Yes. And also, I know another investor, Jeff Becker, uh, Beaker. Becker, yeah. Becker, yeah. yeah. Becker. Uh, who is like through the Antler um, Partnership yeah. Program. And you know both of them. And I also know both of them. So the world is small, right? It's funny to get two emails within, you know, 24 hours introducing us. It's like, okay, we have to meet, obviously. Yeah. What did you feel when you got that email? Like, did you feel like... What did you feel? Um, well, no, I was I was just excited. I had um, I had taken. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in my mid 30s, so a lot of what I've been doing is slowing down. So I saw the email from Jeff, and I checked you out, and I was sitting with it, and I was like, oh, this looks really lovely. I'd love to, you know, um, I'd love to go on the podcast. I'd love to to meet you. But then before I could even reply, I got another another email, and I was like, okay, well, this is definitely <laughs> there's some people want me to meet. I'd already sort of made my own decision, but it was um, wonderful to get you know an, another ping from the universe. Exactly, it was <laughs> like this must happen, and I kind of this is my last week in New York, and I've said to myself that I've been doing so many interviews. I've been doing 27 in total now. I know that's so incredible. It's incredible. We really put the New York hustle on the end of your summer. 
I really got this New York hustle in New York, and I <laughs> these last weeks has just been for me having the time off. Yeah. But for you, I made the time. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so, so appreciative really, of that. Really excited to have you here. Tell me, could you just like, like tell us about your story? Like, what? Where did you grow up? Where are you from? What made you the person you are today? Oh gosh. Um, Well, I grew up all over. I think that's a big kind of part of of who I am, right? I'm really comfortable in. Um, I grew up all over. I grew up all over. I'm really comfortable in a lot of different situations. Yeah. Um, I'm an only child with a very small, close knit family, um, and my both my parents traveled a lot, so I was actually raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, and then Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Florida, and then I went to. UNC for school, go Tar Heels, and then made my way up to Washington, D.C., and then New York. So kind of hopped around a lot, and my parents really taught me to um, value education over everything, yeah. travel, um, how you treat other people, regardless of sort of what they do in life, was a value that my parents instilled in me very, very early. Um, and my father is an entrepreneur. He was a trader and worked for himself and I was always starting different businesses. And so I really think, uh, learned my distaste for authority in the, in the, the classic sense from my, from my father, just because, you know, if he saw something being done wrong or somebody not treating someone the way they should, he was the kind of guy that kind of like stepped up and, and said something or did something or went off and started his own thing. And so mm -hmm. I think I got my Uh, distaste for rules and authority and love of building things from my from my dad. Do you think, <laughs> is he one of your biggest role models today? You know, he's not a role model per se. Um, I think that's just because I looked, I looked to women as role models, but he's definitely somebody that instilled a lot of values in me um, that I, that I see come up, you know, I, as I get older, the more I, the more I turn into my father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. You um, have his genes, right? Yeah, so you just exactly. gotta accept yeah. it. Um, um, and, Yeah, and so, and I have built, sort of spent the last 15 years building businesses that, that help women. Um, I like to say they've, they've started by accident, right? So I mm. started a blog back before everybody was a blogger, I like to say, which is great. Love, we love bloggers. Um, but when it was a new thing back in 2008, and I built this blog first as a side hustle um, to a full-time hustle. Mm. And it took, you know, it took some time. Um, But it was it was a dream, right? So I started a cheeky little blog in 2008 called Bitches Who Brunch. And then yeah. seven years later, it had a million monthly uniques. And I had 15 young women working for me and offices in three cities and was really able to... So Bitches Who Brunch, that was the start of your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, it was a, the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And it was entirely by accident, right? My came out of journalism school, worked for a magazine, really felt like the magazine wasn't serving the younger demographic. It was all sort of like where's this gala at the Ritz-Carlton and not sort of, where's this cute, fun brunch place and where should, what should I wear to this party? So it was very much what to wear, where to brunch and where to party and started as a side hobby and then was able to scale that with really, you know, some of my superpowers, right? Resilience, consistency, like brand building and just day by day and um, then negotiated an exit. Nine years later, I was ready to kind of move on and not brunch for a living. Some people say why, but I think it was just time to close that chapter. And so yeah. 
Um, so you're actually like, well, how was your everyday looking like when you did bitches or brunch? Like, did you? You said you brunched yeah, two times yeah, a week. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see them now. Every the girls everywhere with all of their gadgets at at brunch, right? But that was sort of we were doing that back in 2008. We had my my DSLR camera and my phone and my notepad and was you know copiously taking notes and recording video and taking photos and then would go back and you know spend Sunday evening editing all the photos and weekdays would be, you know. We had advertisers, content marketing, social media teams, editorials. So very much like like a team on a on a magazine, right? Yeah. Like editing side, publishing side. So it was it was a fun little little business. Yeah. And then you <laughs> exited it, so now yeah. it's done. You're not working with that anymore. Yeah. Um, and how then, was it to sell it? Like you you made a baby. Like how did you sell away that baby? Yeah, I think um, it was it was just it was time to move on. I'd learned a lot. I also saw sort of the way. Media, media evolves quite quickly, right? And everything was going the way of short form video. And I really enjoy writing and telling stories. And it felt like nobody reads anymore, right? We're just watching 15 second videos. And um, yeah, and I had a business partner who wasn't, we weren't really aligned on the, the, the pace of growth that we wanted for the business. I wanted to grow up much faster. And that's always a big tension, right? Businesses usually fail because they run out of money or they, or you, there's tension between the business partners. And yeah. we managed to, you know, go it together for eight years, but I was ready to, to keep growing. So I, we found, sourced a buyer, like sourced and, um, getting your business evaluated to your point is really interesting because it's your baby. You built it for eight years. You, you think it's priceless. And so going through like hiring an accounting firm and getting the business valued and we sold it at a seven X multiple to a buyer. So, um, it was really good learning experience. Mm -hmm. Um, almost as valuable as, as building it itself, right? Figuring out how to how to exit and mm -hmm. going through that transition. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, I'm taking a quick break here because the next one minute is going to be an ad in Norwegian. Ja, då vill jag stolt snack om min nya sponsor, nämligen produkter. Ajod Produkter, det är er ett imponerande sällskap som har i all sin drift varit familjeägd och det står det stor respekt i. De har bygget sig upp siden 70-tallet och nu är er de i 19 land. Ajod produkter säljer allt från kontormöbler, butikmöbler, inredning till konferenser, garderoba och till och med möbler till skolan. De har faktiskt allt vad du kan tänka till kontoret. Och många tror att Ajod produkter producerar vara utanför Europa, men det här stämmer faktiskt inte. De har många vara producerat i Europa i hög kvalitet och mycket är er också egenproducerat. Hos Ajod produkter så får man mycket för pengarna. Prisen, de är er förnuftig, så hvis du är er på utsikt efter nya kontormöbler eller bara en enkel uppbevaringsbox, ett skap eller häve senkebord till hemkontoret, så lovar jag det. Ajod produkter, de har så mycket på hemsidan deras. Så det är er bara att gå in och checka ut vad de har. Jag har lagt till en länk till hemsidan deras här i beskrivelsen och du, de levererar faktiskt till hela Norge. Wow. And now you've dived into something new. Yeah. So second business was also giving women advice. I ran a marketing agency helping um, small businesses and startups run by women um, scale and grow because people saw the success with Bitches Who Brunch and they're like, well, how do I get customers? How do I build a brand? Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, I don't have a marketing degree, but I guess I'll start a marketing agency. <laughs> okay. 
um, and so that, you kind of use that experience from Bitches to Brunch, yeah, because you built that brand, right? And then you use that experience to help others. Yeah. And so the second business also kind of started by accident helping women, right? Because it was like I was building websites and creating brand strategy and content marketing Mm -hmm. and social Mm -hmm. media. And um, yeah. And then I exited that as well. I was ready to go move up to New York City. And so I sold off my agency to a larger agency. So that happens often kind of rolled up my clients. And so close that chapter. And now everybody is asking me, all these women are asking me about mushrooms. And so now yeah, I- Yeah, why? Tell me, how did you get into mushrooms? Um, I started reading a lot. So I um, was dealing with a lot of health problems related to just like the pace of New York City life. Um, you know, the city and stress can be really disruptive for our hormone systems as women. Um, and I- found that I was dealing with kind of debilitating pain and inflammation as a result of my stress levels. And I, no Western doctor could really help me. So I found functional mushrooms, reishi, ashwagandha, different herbs that are used in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. And I found them really healing and I was able to um, regulate my cortisol, estrogen, and testosterone levels with functional mushrooms. I thought, wow, these like supplements are incredibly powerful. And then I started reading about all sorts of mushrooms and went down the rabbit hole of psychedelic medicine and really realized that um, there's incredible research and um, historical you know, information around psychedelic mushrooms and that there's a lot of opportunity to help people there. And I, but there's, it's huge educational lift, right? So I read about mushrooms for 18 months before I touched psychedelic mushrooms. And what I found was they were actually profoundly healing and transformative. Uh, but there's a, you know, not everybody's going to go do research for 18 months before they try mushrooms. So mm-hmm. how can we help people who are yeah. seeking solutions, mm-hmm. distill information, provide yeah. services and whatnot? So. so who is your target customers then? Who who do you normally serve? Yeah. Um, we have women coming to us in droves from between the ages of about 30 to 55. Uh, just because back to that traditional Western medicine model is it's failing us in a number of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you know, the solution in Western medicine in the United States is just to put you on a, a pharmaceutical, right? If you're unhappy for a few weeks, you're on antidepressants. There's a lot of people that need antidepressants, right? But there's a lot of people, we've been overprescribed a lot of pharmaceuticals because there's a financial incentive there mm-hmm. in this country. Um, and, you know, it's a, we're talking about in New York City is a big drinking culture. So the reason women are coming to us is they're looking for holistic, natural solutions. And that might be they want to get off a pharmaceutical, they want to reduce drinking, or there's a whole nother piece that the Western medicine model doesn't take into account our spirit, right? We have mental health, we have physical health. There's nothing about sort of spiritual connection and like what is going on in your heart and soul mm-hmm. in a, that's connected to your mind and body. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. How have you, but there's probably been a journey for yourself <laughs> yeah. spiritually. Yeah, we're, I'm, we're all, I'm still on the journey. I yeah, of we course all. we all are. But like, <laughs> what made you realize this, like, that this is something people need and like that you also need? Yeah, I think. Um, what challenge have you been through? Oh, that a lot. Made of, you go into this? <laughs> what, you know what happened? What challenges haven't we been through? Exactly. Every day is a challenge. Yeah. Um, I would say that I came to sorry, 
say that I came to psychedelic medicine with the goal of kind of optimizing, right? Like, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm going to improve my focus, Mm -hmm. you know, improve creativity, like, you know, just be a, be better, optimize the sort of Silicon Valley, yeah, like how can be I improve, right? And yeah. what I actually found is that mushrooms really force you to go much deeper. What childhood trauma am I not dealing with? What trauma from my 20s am I not dealing with? And mushrooms really force you to open up your heart, your mind, and your spirit if you do a lot of them and to really work through some things. So, um, yeah, I, I went quite. I've been going quite deep um, over the last few years with um, spiritual and holistic work in a guided setting. Um, and yeah, it's there's highs and lows. But uh, how has this this changed you? Like, would you see like you were a different person before now? I would. I'm still the same person, but I really am much more spiritual and much more holistic. I think I used to wake up and every day was about. Like, I'm a doer, I'm an ENTJ, right? And that's never going to change, or maybe it will. But um, what can I get done? What can I accomplish? What can I do? And now I sort of wake up and it's like, who do I want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my to-do list is never going to end. But do I want to be the type of person that calls her mother every day and makes the time for that, even if I have 18, you know, meetings this week? Do I want to be the type of person that shows up for her friends and and her husband, right? And I, I did that before. Um, but I think that's with different intention, a lot more depth. And I think a lot more about energy. I'm much more sensitive to people's like energies and vibes these mm. days, right? Mm. Like, and I'm much more conscious around protecting my energy. So I would say much more spiritual, much more intentional mm. and much more conscious of, of people's energy and how we exchange, you know, energy. So, so you work with yourself, right? come here where you are today that I guess everyone does this because there's challenges challenges every day as an entrepreneur um but how how do you kind of you know you've worked with yourself how do you kind of help other people also go on this journey like how do you make them realize that this this may be a good thing for them yeah I think certainly with mushrooms and plant medicine or psychedelic medicine, however you call it, Mm -hmm. you never want to um, force or persuade or really even, I think it feels, it also just feels very different than like drinking. Like our drinking culture is like, oh, well, gosh, you're not going to have a drink, right? And first of all, that's like deeply unhealthy and uh, just broadly, like, Mm -hmm. but also with psychedelics, like people, I don't need to. There's kind of women coming to us in droves looking for information. And that's what I really found is that Um, there's a lot of research coming out in the news around the mental health benefits of psychedelics. You can't really, it's on 60 Minutes, it's on CNN, people are talking about it, kind of everybody's talking about microdosing, to my earlier point, and psychedelic medicine, because our traditional healthcare systems are failing us in a number of ways. So we offer a number of services. We have sort of a media platform with tons of articles that you can, that are really catered to women because there wasn't anyone speaking Mm. to this female Mm. voice. So things Mm. like, can microdosing help with creativity or can psychedelics improve your sex life, right? So things that are based and written by female journalists that are, um, you know, following uh, high quality standards, you know, written research based doctors, et cetera. So we have Mm -hmm. tons of content. Mm -hmm. We have an invite only community for women to talk Mm -hmm. about things, ask these sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. Like 
What is it like to take mushrooms? What should I do before I do that? How do I go on a psychedelic retreat and stay safe? Um, because that's an entirely different. It's very similar, like solo travel. Like you have to do different things if you're a woman, but then you're on, you know, in an altered state of consciousness. So mm-hmm. we have a media platform, a community, and then we have um, coaching services as well as um, we're launching integration therapy. So we have basically a whole ecosystem of online telehealth support and and content for women who are who are curious yeah. about psychedelics. That's great. That's very great that you're helping the education. And then I guess that's all the curious is just like out there for finding education. But it's so yeah. Yeah, because it's just like it's like psychedelics feels like it's a lot of like multicolored and a lot of like dudes wearing tie dye, you know, uh, at music festivals. And, yeah. and if you're looking for intentional support, there's a space for that. Too. Exactly. Yeah. What has been the most challenging for you building this business? Because you went to Antler program, right? You got their investment. And then, yeah, so this was here. You started the mushroom company. Yeah, exactly. I think um, raising capital as a woman is really challenging. Tell me. Um, you know, I'm a third time founder with oodles of experience and I have an incredible team, right? I have physicians, doctors, lawyers, And despite being a third time founder in New York City, and I'm also pretty well connected, right? And like, it's still really, really hard to raise capital as a woman because they ask you different questions, right? They ask you like how you're going to fail instead of how you're going to succeed. And it's just very, it's very, it's a masculine culture. You have to change how you communicate. So for instance, like psychedelics make you very humble, right? And, and open and sensitive. And when you're raising capital, it's like, you have to be very confident and very clear and direct and There's no nuance. It's like we grew X percent year over year, month over month. And, you know, it's just it's all numbers and it's very it's very masculine. And I I can do that. But I also want to stay authentic to who to who I am. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mm. the statistics women women raise two percent of venture capital and and women of color even less. It's like point seven or point nine, something horrible. So, Yeah. yeah. What do you think we can do to improve this space? I mean, I think women need to get into investing, right? Like that's one of my goals is to invest as an angel investor in women within by next year. I'd like to start doing that. Yeah, same um, as Christine. Yeah, um, Christine's amazing. And I, and I think that's the other thing, right? And you also notice this trend of female venture capitalists are often much more conservative, right? Because they've had, they have to go out and raise from their LPs and it's, it's harder as a woman investor as well. So, um, women business owners are much more, um, efficient with capital allocation. And then I've noticed that women investors are often much more conservative Mm -hmm. because they have to be. Exactly. It's about different thought patterns maybe, or how we have been bringing up in our culture. There's, there's so many things that I think is really also hard to, to talk about because it's such a, How can you say we know that there's a problem, uh, but there's also so disencouraging. Like, how can we make more female founders to dare actually going out there when they know we have the facts on the table that there's only 2% of the risk capital that goes to female founders? Yep. Why would I want to be one of those 0.111%, you know, yeah. making that? Because, you know, the chances are so low. How do we actually... Like me and you, how do we actually like go through that? You know, how 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 do you yeah. think about that? It's hard. I mean, if women 
in the workplace still. I mean, there's it's different ways of communication, inherent inherent bias, like societal structures, yeah. who mm-hmm. holds the capital. There's a million things that are like the cause. I think um, I think it's a lot of micro change, right? Like getting women in the room, obviously. But then once you're there, whether you're, you're in the in the corporation on the boardroom or you're in you know, in the seat at the venture capital fund, then you also, that's also really draining, right? To be one of the few women in the room and how do you advocate for yourself and for women? And it's, I think, I find that it's often those daily micro decisions, like pushing back a little bit, you know, and particularly, it's also not about like engaging with the guy that's a total misogynist. It's the guy that's like at the margins that you can change that like thing that he said that was a little bit off that like mm-hmm. change that behavior, mm-hmm. but you have to be mindful, right? It's but like- whose responsibility is that? It's not your responsibility as a woman to <sighs> change know. their mind, you know? Well, if we don't start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, it needs to start somewhere, but, but it needs to come from everyone. Like everyone needs to do this and and one thing that i think is really interesting i don't know if it's fits the theme but it probably does it's like when a woman goes into a room with 10 men yeah she will feel a bit intimidated right that will feel a bit like ooh scary right but if a man goes into a room yeah. of 10 women he will be so happy <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You'll just be like, "Way, <laughs> amazing. <women> feel amazing." <laughs> uh, why? Why is this? I, yeah, well, because it's maybe the, you're the wrong person to ask. But no, I'm just I mean, I mean, my answer to that is probably because the woman feels unsafe, right? Because at some point, a man has done something to hurt you. At some point, you know, yeah. chances are, statistically, that's a little dark. But that's a you little know. dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true, you know. So. There's a, there's a safety thing. Let's just thing. keep that out in the open. Yeah. Like, just like have that as a thought. Like now, just leave that out there, and like maybe that can spark something. Like, okay, how can we women actually stand more and have like a more stable spine when going into that room and actually believe in ourselves even more? And what do you do to like feel that power? Well, you have to do those 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 exercises power in poses. the mirror, right? Yeah. Those power poses in the mirror where you're like. <sighs> <laughs> do you, you do know, this every day? I don't, but I do a lot of like energy clearing and to get and like shaking. But in terms of, you know, before you have a big meeting, I do definitely go in the mirror and I'm like, you can do this. You've got this. You're amazing. Yeah, you are. <laughs> definitely. That's what we got to do, right? We got to push ourselves a little bit harder, a little bit longer. And if you have a bad day, just like uh, stick through and like get that energy out because you can't do it. Yeah, I think the thing is, I'm, I've really started to think a lot more about recovery, right? I think I used to push through, I can work, I'm a manifesting generator, right? So I can yeah. work 12, 14 hour days and I do, and I still do. And, you know, I have that responsibility to the business and the team and the investors and my work ethic is definitely unquestionable. But now I'm thinking a lot more about recovery, right? Back to that energy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the last few weeks, mm-hmm. do I need to send that last email? It's 9.30 or do I need to maybe meditate and rest and walk the dog and then start again tomorrow. And is that gonna, it, it helps me with better decision-making, right? Creating that space for yourself to to heal, to recover mm-hmm. um, after you get that rejection from the venture capital fund. Do, I, do you need to like sit at your desk or like take a walk and have a cry or wh- whatever that is? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been thinking a lot more about, about, you know, recovering and healing and slowing down a bit so that I can make those macro decisions that are, that matter. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
You're all into macro decisions and micro dosing. Yeah, macro dosing, micro dosing, macro and micro, macro decisions. Macro, yeah, macro, all macro. <laughs> well, but what, that's what they say as, as CEOs, right? Play low, play high. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So. What 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 has been the biggest challenge then, up uh, until now in your whole five year entrepreneurial journey? The biggest challenges out of all three businesses was definitely raising capital as a female founder, as I yes. mentioned, and yes. then right now. It, it's we're I mean, we're talking about psychedelic medicine. It's a highly regulated landscape and it's fast evolving. So I need to make sure that I have all the, you know, data points to make sure that I'm making the right decision for the business, right? Because we're adjacent to a regulated industry. We're providing mental health services online, mm -hmm. um, but we also want to take advantage of the regulatory landscape as it evolves, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a big believer in um in psychedelic medicine and we just legalized in oregon and soon in colorado so making sure that the business is set up for success in the future while making sure that we're you know following regulatory guidelines and well not guidelines laws for for the foresee for the time being right so exactly um, laws are uh, laws following the laws helping the people raising the capital just balancing balancing it all yeah <laughs> And I think it's really interesting with you because you started like this, this blog, and then you started this like it, it, like a blog with a community, and then branding, and then you built all this up, right, for a long period. And then you started like from that aspect, you taught other people about this, you know, you yeah. started your marketing agency and did that. Yeah. And then now you're like level up again, like venture yeah. capital again, and you're yeah, helping into the healthcare. It's like you're just always advancing. How, how, how is that for you? I think on the intention with the business, right? I like to say help women with more in intentional problems, right? Mm -hmm. Brunch recommendations is not like going to change your life, but oh, it could a really good sack of pancakes, right? And then, yeah. and then helping people build their businesses, right? That can change your life, right? You get the right customers, you help that woman shine and show up for herself, and then she can quit her job and take her side hustle, full hustle. Um, and then with, you know, helping women with mental health, I just see how much people generally in 2023 are struggling. Obviously, we're in a mental health crisis. And then, you know, it's it's real, right? We're, we're up against a lot, these challenges. And sometimes you need a little bit more support, right? Like, I'm interested to see how this evolves beyond psychedelic medicine. Our coaches and our therapists, they mm. can help you whether you want to use mushrooms or not, right? And there's people just need the support these days. And in terms of, yeah, it's certainly a level up from brunch to, you know, operating in a highly yeah, regulated yeah, industry and in telehealth. I've also worked at a number of startups. I was previously at a telehealth startup as their chief marketing officer mm. and worked in a number of regulatory, highly regulated industries for profit education mm. over at WeWork. But I'm a big believer. I understand that like I have infinite capacity to learn and grow, but it's about getting the right people in the room, right? And mm -hmm. I think my first mm -hmm. two businesses, I thought that I could do it all on my own, right, as a solopreneur. And we had amazing girls with Bitches Who Brunch, but with retreat, given how intense it is, you know, mental health regulations, fundraising, like I know 
that I don't know a lot. And I've brought mm -hmm. on incredible advisors and mm -hmm. an incredible team, right? And that's one of my superpowers is individualization. Like how can I find somebody that's values aligned, super, super passionate about what we're building and has that skill set, right? So we've brought on, like I said, three or four lawyers, doctors, nurses, amazing coaches. And my mm -hmm. job is just to really create the the structure um, and the support for them to do what they're good at. Yeah, so you're yeah. building, how many people are you on your team now? There's like five to 10 part-time, full-time. So yeah. we have different, and then we have about another layer of about 10 advisors. And advisors, you get ones that are engaged in your business can be really transformative, right? Mm -hmm. When you're this early, we've been able to go really far with advisors that pinch it on a number of things, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's mm -hmm. fundraising, um, you know, healthcare, how we structure our clinical processes, mm. the spiritual element, right? We're bringing in like shaman, female shaman advisors, right? There's a number, I've got advisors all over the map here. And um, if you're really mindful of what you want to get out of that and so that you don't make, you know, mistakes that you can learn from others, mm. I found mm. um, really strategic advisors are great. How are you going to be a great leader? What is your best leadership advice? What do you think? Ooh, my best leadership advice is to listen more than you talk, which is hard because I'm a talker, <laughs> and to ground yourself um, and create the space for um, the person, you know, if you're doing a one-on-one, -on -one, let, let them go first, ask them what they need to succeed, right? So I think I, when I think about leadership, it's about properly identifying the like and aligning on the outcomes that you want for any team of like KPIs. It's about properly resourcing and being really clear on what those goals are and what the resources we need to get there are, and then creating the space or the support for that, that yeah. person to thrive, so. Yeah, and what about entrepreneurial tips like oh, others who wanna start their own company? Look, put your own, um, what is it, life mask on first. So really mm -hmm. like look after yourself and your mental health because like I said, that can really affect how you show up for yourself, for your team and how you make make decisions. And I find that the older I get, um, the bigger the problems get and the more intense they are. So, oh, um, they are? I yeah. thought they got <laughs> the less. So yeah, right. It's just like every, the things that were getting thrown at us. So show up for yourself, um, create a small intentional community of people that you can count on and then you can really uh, be yourself around. I find having that safe space to show up authentically, um, particularly when you're in media, right? And they're like on Instagram and all of that. Like, can I just be me in my sweatpants in this safe space? Um, yeah. Get a dog. <laughs> Do you have a dog? Yeah, I have a dog. That's really, really helps the mental health. Um, yeah, so the things you need as an entrepreneur are resilience, self-management and self-awareness. I find those are the three things that you, you have to have if you're gonna go it alone. Wow, thank you. Thank you for your advice. I think I see a lot of common threads, like especially here in New York, having interviewed like 27 female entrepreneurs in New York, that there is a lot of focus on, you know, how can you actually be sane in this chaotic city? Yeah. Because there's so much going on and there's so many, many opportunities. You could just go grab them if you yeah. want, but you need to find out what opportunities do you want to go and grab and are they right for you? Yeah, and the things that you say no to are more important than things that you say yes exactly. to. Exactly. I think I've seen, I've come across a lot of entrepreneurs who are just running around saying yes to everything and it's like, what, you know, what is the actual outcome? Yeah. And so, and so prioritization and that, that self-accountability is really, really important. A hundred percent.
And then I have a last question, which is the one I ask everyone. Okay. Yeah, okay. Are you ready? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, um, if you got $1 million right now, what would you do with them? I would, oh gosh, a lot of things. I yeah. would invest some of it into, into the business. Mm -hmm. I would write some angel checks to female founders in my community that I really think are going to kill it. I would pay off my graduate school loans. I would give some money to a climate charity, and I'd probably buy my dog a steak. <laughs> oh, lucky doggy. What's your dog called? His name is Howard. Howard the dog. Howard. Is he yeah. like a little He's poodle? a little floof ball. He's a large floof ball. Oh, I need to um, see a picture. Yeah. So it's sad that the listeners cannot see it, but. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Oh, wow. He's huge. It's yeah. Like... He's a cutie. So, oh, yeah. That's cute. What would you do? Me? Oh, my God. People haven't, like, this is so rare. Like, people don't really normally ask me questions back. Mm, what I really wish for is that I get to have these million dollars to actually hand out to one of the female entrepreneurs that I have in my podcast. Oh, I would love I'm that. I'm going to ask this question to everyone. Yeah. And the ones who have the best answer, I'll give them. We should put you on Shark Tank. Yeah. You should be the new Shark Tank. I should be. Yeah. Let me just build this for a couple more years and then I will be there. <laughs> so... Yeah, and there's a lot of good causes out there, a lot of, you know, investing in their own businesses. Yeah. A lot of that. Um, a lot of people love traveling. A lot of people would love to renovate their houses. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there is different stuff. There was one thing that was also really cool. It was about, like, I want to I wanna travel the world and interview female entrepreneurs all over the world. Be so, so now fun. we're taking over Norway, Denmark, New York. What's next? Yeah. London, Berlin. I don't know. I love that. The world. You should do that. Yeah. I would also probably outfit. There, I saw an art, uh, article in Wall Street Journal about these people outfitting their homes for like biohacking. I'd probably put like an infrared sauna and a cold plunge in my home. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. do a little bit of like fancy biohacking, get a really good water filter for that New York City water. Yeah. Things like that. But isn't that really clean though? It's clear. It depends. It's clean for for most cities, but yeah, we're just destroying our water system. And that's another <laughs> negative for me. I'd really try to be optimistic, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's hard. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's um, let's um, quit with um, people if they want to find you. If they feel really called yeah. to you, where can they find you? Yeah. Where should they go? So on Instagram, I'm Corey Sue, C-O-R-I-S-U-E, and um, Retreat, R-E-T-R-E-A-T, -E -E Microdose, um, on Instagram and RetreatMicrodose.com. Um, if you're curious about microdosing, we have a free microdosing guide on the site, um, and I'm always available to answer any questions. Yay. So thank you so much for having me. This was so special. Yeah. I loved every minute of it. I hope, oh. hope some folks can benefit from our conversation. Thank you. Definitely. There's a lot of snacks here, and I'll link everything in the description below. And see you girls and guys in the next episode. Bye.